It is the Brotherly Love Podcast, Anchor.fm, SoundCloud, eh, a thing of the past. But we are rocking and rolling on some of our new platforms, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're doing it. John Mita is in Philadelphia. Yours truly, Joe O'Donnell. For the time being back in uh, corn country, Des Moines, Iowa, Johnny Mita with Shaken. Oh, just another beautiful day in the neighborhood, man. Just uh, the weather's good. And the weather's been great last couple of days. It's definitely friendly to uh, to my frame and my liking, you know. <laughs> 71 degrees, no humidity. That's picture perfect for somebody like me. That's the ideal temperature. You know, I don't really like anything over 75. And I like to keep my house at 68, so. Yeah, you'll start sweating like a you-know-what in church pretty soon if it heats up too much. Well, it's 90 degrees in humidity, but hopefully, you know, they're – Hopefully that'll be a thing of the past in the future. We'll see though. You know, all right. A little climate change prediction. What do you got? Uh, uh, (laughs) I'll let you know in the future, but there could be some breaking news in the next month and a half, but I'll let you know. All right. All right. We'll stay tuned for (laughs) meteorologist Mita in the next episode of the BL podcast. Uh, Appreciate everybody tuning in to get anchor.fm. Not a whole lot of concrete Philadelphia sports stuff to dive into. You know, WIP has been doing their their go to Broad Street, their top 20 athletes. They're running through every list known to mankind. Yeah. Um, We're going to talk about the potential returns of some of the sports leagues like the NHL, the NBA, and the grease fire that is Major League Baseball. But, Johnny Mita, we're going to start with uh, some very disappointing recent Eagles news. Yesterday, Brandon Brooks – uh, or the news broke that Brandon Brooks tore his Achilles tendon, which means he's out for 2020. Whenever 2020, whenever the 2020 season starts, we still don't have clarity on that, of course. But uh, that's like a 10-month injury. So Brandon Brooks, your All-Pro, Pro Bowler, starting right guard, the man that lines up next to Lane Johnson and protects Carson Wentz and whoever the hell else is playing quarterback for this football team over the last what five, six years. Uh, one of the best players on their roster just got that new contract last year, and he is now out for the season. Huge news, a debilitating loss. You, you, you know, your thoughts go out to Brandon Brooks, first of all, because he's such a good guy from all accounts, and he deals with a lot of mental issues and anxiety and all those things he's overcome to become arguably the best right guard in football, and now he is out. See you later for this huge season that we expected so much from the Eagles uh, whenever it kicks off in 2020. I mean, just disappointing news. Yeah, just a gut-wrenching report just to get, you know, all the news that flies over everyone's text message, you know, alerts that come across your phone, and then you want to dive in deep. for like, is this a mistake? You're like, no, say it's not. So you know, we, tr- we got different doctors. We got some different medical staff. This team has been injury struck the last three years at major positions, but to lose a guy like Brandon Brooks is just detrimental. When you think about, look at the right side of the Eagles offensive line, clearly between, you know, Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks, probably the the best right side of the offensive line in all of football. So huge blow does turn out. It's his other ACL. It's not the, or the other Achilles tendon. It's not the right one. That's now the left, I think. And, um, but you, you just feel for the guy. I mean, the guy battles issues, you know, when it comes to anxiety in general. And injuries like this can be – can really get you down mentally. And he was working his tail off to come back in 
And last year he had that freakish injury in the Giants game with the shoulder, which was just very strange and weird. And look, the last three years, I mean, he what blew blew his Achilles out of what the Saints game? Yeah, the Saints playoff, playoff game, and then late playoff. last year hurt. Late missed the Seahawks game. They allowed seven sacks. Now, granted, McCown was back there for a lot of it, but right, exactly. Um, it, it's just you're right. It's just an absolutely tough couple of yeah, you know end of a season, back-to-back years, and now the start of a season. He just tweeted about an hour ago, John Mita, that uh, to clarify sort of how it happened, he was doing 60-yard shuttles. Shuttle runs, I saw that. And he put uh, put a seven of eight. He went to touch the line, push off, and pop. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's brutal. Yeah, that's type how these injuries happen. It's just like they're kind of making an explosion. Like It's kind of like a, a quick start. And sometimes your muscles or your tendons or, I mean, I kind of, I blew my calf muscle out. And I originally, I thought it was an Achilles tendon because it had the way people describe Achilles injuries. That's what it felt like. It literally feels like somebody takes like a knife right to your leg. I mean, it's just like brutal. But the question is, where do we go from here? You know, who's, who's going to be the replacement? It's going to be you know, a, a hard act to follow to replace this guy, considering he's probably the best right guard in football, making three consecutive Pro Bowls. And uh, and let me give you let me give you some numbers here real quick, John. Sure. I mean, I saw this from Evan Kaplan on Twitter. Okay. Um, last three years for Brandon Brooks, you mentioned the Pro Bowls. Started all 48 regular season games. So you talk about durability. Played 95% of the offensive snaps for the Eagles. Uh, you touched on the Pro Bowl each year. The only game he missed – including the playoffs, was that wild card loss last year, the Seahawks, and I mentioned those seven sacks the Birds allowed. So basically, he's as good as, you know, you, you can book it. Death taxes and Brandon Brooks at right guard for the Eagles the last three years. And, you know, for Carson Wentz or whoever the quarterback is, I mean, there's been that sort of security blank at the right side with him and Lane Johnson, arguably the best in football. So – Certainly uh, big cleats, big shoes to fill, and you were starting to get to that. What's the answer? What's the solution, Johnny Mita? Well, I mean, everyone's first steps going to be like, well, Jason Peters, can't we call Jason Peters and have him slide to a right guard? Now that his career is winding down as a tackle, you can always make a transition. But it's a position that he's never played before. So that's easier said than done. Um, again, do you then bring in – Jason Peters to play left tackle, and then do you slide a guy like Andre Dillard, see if he can play right guard, but we all know that he struggles with his left and his right. So, I don't know. I'd probably sign a free agent, like a guy named Larry Warford. That's probably the route I go, but there's also maybe some candidates within the organization. Like, I don't think Matt Pryor did that terrible of a job, you know, filling in last year. We'll see. They also drafted a couple guys that could be they could be guards. Um, so, I don't know. It, it, it's going to be difficult. It, it really sucks, to be honest, to like before you even get the season started just to have, you know, one of these, these terrible injuries. But, hey, listen, we got one of the better offensive line football coaches, you know, and Jeff Stoutland. He's going to have to earn his check and see what type of replacement. But, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to bringing Jason Peters back, but I don't know if he's going to want to play right guard. So, 
Well, I mean, that's you're right. That's been the the easy name, right? He knows the system. He knows the teammates, the personnel. He's a Hall of Famer. But yeah, it's a it's a huge question mark, and and that's one area where going into the year, you know, you already sort of had a question mark with with the left tackle situation, and now you've got maybe two question marks. Um, it's listen, this football team. I think is a lot better than they were a year ago, at least on paper. The rest remains to be seen. But I think we all know the healthy Carson Wentz and what I think is a better defense, at least because of the addition of Darius Slay. Now, losing Malcolm Jenkins might negate some of that, but you yeah. finally get a lockdown corner by all indications. Uh, you, you address the wide receiver need in the first round with Jalen Rager. You got Carson Wentz coming back healthy. Yeah you're thinking this is a team that contends for division and hopefully a first round by in the playoffs. But when you can't protect the quarterback, you're in a lot of trouble. And when you can't run the football to help take some pressure off the quarterback, you're in a lot of trouble. So what is that drop down? What is that drop down from Brandon Brooks to replacement? What, what's that war ratio that wins above replacement? We see so much in baseball. That's going to be a huge story for this football team. Now, the good news is if there's a silver lining, it happened early enough where they can try and address this thing and get it figured out. You know, all they've had most teams are those virtual camps uh, or, or virtual training sessions. Um, they've got some time, and maybe that's the one thing that, that helps them out in this situation. But this is a huge loss. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I don't think that they can now make the playoffs. or But to win the Super Bowl – you want to be at your best, man, and they're already down a huge, huge piece of that offensive line, a starter and a, and a perennial all-pro, and, man, it just sucks because they really, you know, they don't have the depth to withstand injuries like this, especially before the year gets started. Yeah, I mean, it's – we'll see. We will see, but it's just – it's just, I mean, can we can we just go and start a season with Catch everybody else? <laughs> I mean, it just seems like the last three years, I mean, something's going to happen. Like, why can't we? Like, even the year they won the Super Bowl. I mean, think of the injuries that they dealt with. With, you know, how many projected starters were actually on the sideline. It was unreal. So, Yeah. Let's stick with the NFL theme for just a second, John Mina, but a total shift of gears and transition here. Okay. Uh, you know, it's been a couple of weeks since we had a podcast. Since then, we've had a lot of turmoil in our nation um, from the from the George Floyd murder at the hands of the MSP police to all that went down, social injustice and the riots and the looting and the activism we've seen since then. And athletes have spoken out, some for better, some for worse, like a Drew Brees. Yeah, But a lot of this is bringing light now to the fact that Colin Kaepernick four years ago was on this soapbox and a lot of people didn't get it. It seems now more people are starting to get it or at least saying I'm willing to try and understand, to educate myself, to learn, to listen. Is Colin Kaepernick now more justified than he was in 2016? And do you believe, John Mita? Yeah, that you know the NFL is going to make it, and really the sports world as a whole. Let's not even get to our society and our culture and restaurants and bars and places where you do business and employers and discrimination and those things. Let's just stick with sports. Are we now going to essentially turn the page 
and see some real change, do you believe, from, in particular, the NFL? Well, it's, it, this is very interesting. So, like, when Colin Kaepernick was, was doing his – when he was doing his, you know, silent protest, so to speak, I, I'll be the first one to admit it and, and be honest. And, like, I really didn't understand it. Like, I understand, you know, what racism is and, and police brutality, and but I just didn't – I didn't fully get it. And I'll be the first one to admit it. Now I get it. And the fact that, you know, it wasn't about the flag. It wasn't a disrespect. It's, and I think more and more people get it. The crazy part is like now the owners, I mean, the players have used their voice, used their platform to really get after this issue. It's a shame that, you know, this, this, this started four years ago, or at least Colin Kaepernick's movement started four years ago. Now, there were some other things that I didn't agree with him with you know, wearing the socks that the, the police officers portrayed as pigs on his socks and other things. But I think this is going to invoke some real change and you're already seeing it. Like, uh, it, it, to me, it's 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 just something that just can't can't happen anymore. And it, it's just there's more awareness. Right. I think this all brings awareness. I look at. I look at, you know, some of the events in history that, like, brought awareness and brought, as, as, as terrible as the event was, it brought some real awareness to people. For example, you look at, like, 9-11, right? 9-11 was the worst attack on our country in the history of our country. But what did it do? It brought awareness that there were terrorists out there that just weren't lining up with, with what we believe in and everything that we stand for, and they were willing to harm us. Before that, we really didn't really talk. And not only that, when agencies in regards to 9-11, like the, between the FBI and the CIA and, and, and all these groups, they never shared information with one another. So when I say awareness is now like we're better prepared for something like that to happen. And so many attacks have been thwarted because we have better awareness. Look at COVID. Look at this pandemic, right? Now, because we were so, you know, unprepared for this, now if this were to come up again, we would have structures in place so that it would be a little less painful than what everyone is experiencing right now. Um, So I look at this as... You know, the silver line that comes out of this is that it's just we saw it again. You know, what everyone witnessed, that George Floyd video just brought an extreme amount of awareness to some people that just didn't have awareness before. And I can't speak on what it's like to be an African-American and and, and go through what it's like. And, 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 you know, the treatment, I've seen it. I've seen a racism, like I've seen a clear hand, but, you know, but I just. I, I think there is real change coming. And, you know, if, if that comes out of it, that's that's a great thing. Because we need that. I mean, that's why, like, for example, like, I don't have a lot of money. But let's just say that I had a tremendous amount of money. And I were to send my kids to, like, let's say these upper echelon, like, private schools. Or I could send my kids to a public school. Even if I had the resources to, I think I'd send my kids to a public school because, like, I got to see other cultures. I got to experience, like, 
people with different viewpoints. And I think if you live in that type of bubble, it kind of makes it harder for the real world. Like I, when I went to college, some, some, some of the people I went to college with, they've never hung out with any African-American. Like the, it was just so new to them. They just didn't. So it's, I don't know, but I, I just think, I think this is going to be for the better in all honesty. Well, I hope so. And you bring up some good points and, and part of me wanted to go back and, I'm sure we did a couple of podcasts at the time of the Kaepernick protests. And sure. if I'm not mistaken, without going back and pulling some of that audio or digging it up, I'm pretty sure both of us were on the same page with sort of like you said, we just maybe didn't understand the the method, right? The kneeling yeah. during the anthem seemed Correct. like such a yes. anti-American thing to do. Right. Yeah. But it was never about that for Colin Kaepernick. And, right. and now people are starting to get the sense of it you might not still agree with the kneeling during the anthem. And a lot of athletes and coaches are coming out and saying they're going to do it. They're going to kneel to make a, to make their voices heard, uh, to make their actions heard. And, and again, you might still not agree with that, but I think now at this point, like you might say, there should be another way to do it, whatever, but no matter what we've now crossed the point, in our country where people should be able to express themselves in any way they want. So again, I might not say, you know, I might say, Hey, don't kneel during the anthem. That's, that's my opinion, but that doesn't mean that I can't understand what, you know, these, those that want to exhibit those types of protests are going through or what their beliefs are. I'm not going to challenge those things. I'm not going to tell you that this is raw. I say, I would go about it a different way. And I, I don't think that that changes the message that many of these athletes and, and other celebrities, et cetera, are trying to get across. They just want awareness. Like you talked about the education, um, the more our country grows and learns, maybe it allows us a change for the better. Uh, I think your analogies of nine 11 and the pandemic are, are pretty spot on because again, now you have that experience. You're able to be better the next time around. Hopefully, the younger generation sees what's going on. They're not tainted by folks that can't get over what they learned or what they learned from their generations prior. And you just take everything at the surface. You listen, you learn, and you make your, you know, you form your opinions based on that objectively. Um, And I think that that's the best way for everybody to get through what we're going through right now. And, And let's be honest, it was a couple of crazy weeks. Like you said, you and I will never understand the plight uh, that many black people have to go through on a daily basis, but we can at least empathize with them and we can try and be better. Everybody just has to be a little bit better and we'll slowly turn the tide. But the most important thing and all that anyone who's protested, white, black or otherwise, that's all they're asking for is just listen. Yeah. And, And I think that when you do that, you give yourself a chance to make a better decision and hopefully moving forward, you know, we have less of these incidents uh, because there's just a respect factor there. We've got to respect each other. And there's not a lot of that going on right now, whether you, you know, you're anti-police right now and you're not respecting the authorities and like at the end of the day, respect the people around you and you're going to make better decisions and, and everybody will be less inclined to want to resort to violence and anger and frustration because you're just going to listen, you're going to learn and you're going to be respectful to one another. And that's something that we're all taught at a very young age, no matter where 
the hell you grew up, how you were brought up. You're always taught, you know, you're taught about respect. Even if your parents are terrible people or they're criminals or whatever, they've always asked you to respect them. I don't know any parent. I can't imagine there's any parent out there that wouldn't want to be respected or an elder that doesn't want to be respected or somebody in a high position of power in a business, a boss, a CEO, whoever they want to be respected. Um, but you got to earn that in a lot of ways too. And, and maybe if we just get a little bit closer to that, that respect factor with a lot of people, a little bit more empathetic, listen, learn, observe, don't jump to the conclusions. We'll probably be in a better spot long-term and, and Colin Kaepernick right now, he's probably, you know, as, as much as he's upset, I'd imagine that, you know, it took something like this, the murder of an in, innocent man, by all accounts, to, uh, to get this ball rolling, his platform out there more. At the end of the day, he's, you know, the narrative on Colin Kaepernick, when it's all said and done, is going to have changed immensely from where it was even just three, four weeks ago. We're going to look back at Kaepernick now, and there'll be a lot of chapters in that book from on the field to off the field to out of football to now sort of vindicated and justified in a lot of ways for what he was trying to say uh, without really saying a lot even four years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, you know, one of the troubling things that comes out of this is that, you know, a lot of police officers and, you know, listen, they have a very thankless job. <laughs> like, you know, We've all met some police officers we thought were good guys, and we've also met a couple who are probably like, eh, that guy's pretty much probably not a good guy. Um, but it, it just stinks that a lot of them have been painted with this terrible brush that they're all just terrible people. And like you said, you know, it's just about respect, have the respect for everyone. And hopefully let's just make this a better country and a better place, you know? Let's be a little... Let's yeah. just, just be better people. It's not going to hurt us to be better people. and But like you said, have more understanding. And that works on all levels and all sides, you know? So Yeah, and I would like to see, and I know, listen, a lot, not a lot of people I feel like we're talking about this, but from a, from a police officer or a, yeah. a sheriff's department or those sorts of things, like, it's a hard job, okay? Uh, as citizens, you don't want to feel threatened or intimidated by the police, right? That's a scary feeling. 100%. It's also a scary feeling, I'm sure, for police officers a lot of times to not know the situation they're getting into. Any confrontation can turn into something crazy. We've seen it a million times. Within seconds. Yes. Yeah. And, I, and so a lot of these guys and gals are on edge. And a lot of them then, you know, especially I would think male police officers get the testosterone going. Yeah. Now you're disrespecting me. Now I'm a little on edge. Now I'm a little fired up. And then all of a sudden, it's I'm going to show you who's in charge. And that's a slippery slope. Yeah. And that's how I feel like a lot of these situations get out of control. And then when you're in the moment, dude, and you're in that heat of that moment, you're not going to make good decisions. Whether that's the um, the perpetrator or innocent party or guilty party or the officer. Like, emotions are high. Blood pr- pressure's rising. Your heart's racing. You've got adrenaline going. You're in the middle of a, confront- a confrontation. We all in our lives say dumb things and do dumb things when we're heated. Does that give them any right whatsoever to beat people up or, or, or murder something? No, I'm not condoning that one bit. But I just think there's a lot of emotion on both sides 
of the playing field here from law enforcement to the general citizen, what's right, who's out of line, where's the respect factor. There's just so much going on there that when it boils over, it gets ugly real quick. And uh, I just didn't hear a lot of people talking about that side of it. Like, man, like, you know, put yourself in their shoes for a minute and think about how difficult that job is. Again, what happened to George Floyd was an absolute travesty. It should never happen. Uh, The only thing we can hope for is that we become a better place because of it. Yeah. Unfortunately, it took a man's life, and it's been far too many black lives have been killed for no freaking reason. Mm. But there's just a lot that goes on um, emotionally, I feel like, in these confrontations for folks that, you know, doesn't get talked about. And and you make one poor decision, and in today's, you know, era, especially with cameras and cell phones and all this other stuff, like, you know, your career's over. Your life's over. George Floyd lost his life because – of negligence because of arrogance because of you know just brute force that was not necessary Wait, and uh it's crazy right and you look at like you know when we talk about police reform there should be a ton of reform and yes and i'm all about reform and not defund and there's a huge difference yep and when you speak of reform like think about this guy the, the guy Derek chauvin the guy that you know, murdered George Floyd, essentially. Like, this guy's rap sheet, he had, like, 16 complaints. So all the people that internal affairs and investigated right. through all these complaints, they all should be fired. Uh, I know. But listen, because... it's, a, it's a boys club. You know this. It's well, just exactly. like, yeah. it's just oh, like the way things get swept under the rug with a professional sports team. A guy Absolutely. gets arrested. A guy does this. Or somebody has a lot of money. Clubhouse. Somebody that has yes. that money and privilege to be like, yeah. I can pay the judge off 20 grand. He'll get rid of my DUI. No problem. Like, and and I won't have to go to jail. So, yep. It's insane. But we need, we got a lot of work to do. It's got to start somewhere though. And hopefully we're headed down the right path. Absolutely. Well, Johnny Mita, do you think major league baseball plays? No, (laughs) to be honest. And how insane is that? No, I mean, it just, the most pertinent breaking news information that just got released today. I don't know just read on Bleacher Report, is it like between six and eight owners of Major League Baseball? So you're talking that's what, like uh, a little less than a third of the owners don't want to have a season. And when I look at, well, who are these owners, who could they pick? Well, one's got to be the Oakland Athletics owner by far, considering he just didn't pay anybody in the minor leagues, said he can't make his rent payment for the stadium. So, he definitely doesn't want to have a season. And I'm sure there's other small market teams because there's no salary cap in baseball and teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Red Sox to have these $300 million payrolls. And then you have these other teams that are working with a $60 million payroll and because they don't have the TV contract money that goes into it, like some of these bigger markets. I just I, I don't think now the players are coming up, well, tell us we're ready to go. Tells when and where. So it's all about economics. It's a shame because then the following year, their collective bargaining agreement is. Oh, God. So then we're talking, but this is what I don't understand out of the whole thing. This was a perfect opportunity for baseball to have the stage. I know. The entire. To be the first league back. The first league back to, to be the center of the sports world. Like, and, and if you condense a 162-game season into an 89-game season, 
every game counts. You're like, oh, my God, I'm going to dial in. There's nothing else to watch. I feel like I've watched everything on Amazon Prime and Netflix. Like, yeah. I want something to watch. Give me anything. I I'd probably watch baseball every night. And I don't even like it's better as a background than I'm like, I need to see every inning, every pitch. It's such a slow game where you can just pick it up. But if it, people, they would be able to gain even more fans if they just had a season. And now with dying kind of in the, at the youth level and, and with all these other young players, play, like the young minor leaguers being effective, if they don't have a season, this is going to be extremely difficult to come back from. And I know other people, like other sports broadcasters I've listened to in this area, they have a differing opinion. Oh, people be right back in, filling the ballparks. And I get it because everybody wants to get outside and, and return back to normalcy. But if you remember the year they went on strike and they lost that season, you know, it essentially took – the juicing of the baseball and the juicing of some players to get that home run chase between McGuire and Sosa that kind of brought people back. If you look at the stadium attendance before that, it was extremely down at a different yeah. level. And from what you hear from people, they're like, I don't care. The NBA is coming back. Hockey's going to come back. Then essentially will roll into football season and baseball will be an afterthought. So I know. It's this- such optics, though. Look at the optics. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you laid it all out there. But think about, like, if, if everything shut down because of the pandemic, yeah. that's one thing. You can't right. blame anybody. But right. it's like when the NBA shut down, well, the NHL shut down and everybody else shut down. Now if hockey's coming back or the NBA's coming back or both, right. MLS – you know, they're playing overseas. Well, yeah. The, the Korean baseball league, the Buddhist the tri- league in soccer. It's like, exactly. it's now, now it's like, well, why? Okay. So A, B and C are happening. Why isn't D happening? Yeah. And when it comes out that it's greed or it's a pissing match between the owners and the players, or they right. can't figure it out. It just looks terrible. If they had just said from day one, Hey, we're shutting down because this pandemic's insane. We want it to be safer. Yeah. Nobody would chirp them. But everybody else is going to come back or trying to. And these guys are the ones that can't even get off the negotiating table to get anything approved to even attempt to come back. I mean, baseball or hockey and basketball might not return, but at least in the eyes of the fans, they put in the effort. Exactly. And this is the crazy part about this is we all knew that there wasn't going to be fans pretty much in the stands. I mean, yeah. in all likelihood, that's kind of what it pointed to with, with, with the pandemic, there's social distance. When you talk about stadiums filled with people, that, that social distancing does not exist in any way, shape, or form. So the fact that the, the owners thought that they would be able to get some fans and maybe later in the season, they should have known that, that there was going to be no fans. And here's the other thing. Baseball revenues for the ownership, is they pretty much made money for the last 17 years. So if this is the one year for them to just take it on the chin and just suck it up, then they have to do that. You have to do that for the betterment of your game, and you have to do that for the fans that you want to keep as fans of your entire sport. So, yes, I think there's definitely a give and take between, but if, if I'm looking at more at fault, I think it's more on the owners on this one. And But you also look at the players that, like, they're – you know, on the cusp of being major leaguers that, that need this as their job. You know, not only is this sports, but this is also people's livelihood 
and their jobs. And it's it's kind of hard for this to come across considering there is so many unemployed Americans out there. Yep. So and, and that's another reason why if this bickering keeps going over economics, people aren't gonna care. They're gonna be like, I don't I don't care because like, you know, what do they do for me? Nothing. They don't they don't put food on my table. The other thing is like it just the way they've done this, right? Yep. It sounds like the NHL which sounded like great. It was like Gary Bettman got a couple of the, you know, the players available, like the players, like the lead voices, like, I don't know if they're player reps, but it sounds like they all got together in a meeting. This is everyone just throws jabs at each other. They throw it out in the media. They throw it on sports center. Then it talks about nobody's even communicating. The biggest thing here is communication. It seems like nobody wants to communicate from either side. So, in my opinion, or right now, Manfred a week ago comes out. He's got the veto power to just make sure, according to the agreement, that could he could just, at the very least have a forty-eight game season. But now it just sounds like nobody wants to do that. So, to be honest, everyone thinks at some point they're going to have it, but the clock is running here, Joe. Yep. You know, it is the fifteenth of June. They were supposed to be starting back like the other sports. Maybe around, you know, the 4th of July was like, it, you know, around that area was the time that we heard to start back up. I mean, and when you got to figure out logistics and how people are traveling, there, there was discussion of, of, of different, like, what are they going to do with the leagues as far as, you know what I mean? Like the leagues, like. Uh, Divisional lineup and right, all that right, stuff. Right. Yeah. Are we going to be, instead of there's going to be no American League, National League, it's going to be like. Hey, whatever teams you can play closest to you and then go from there. So, you know, I, I don't know. Well, listen, we had planned to talk about maybe the NBA coming back or if there's some of the yeah. social injustice protesting and, yeah. and and conference calls amongst the players would lead to them sitting things out just to, because right. they want a different climate environment before they return to basketball. And, you know, we could probably – T- table that for another time as, as the summer moves on we'll get a little bit better idea right, of, sure. of who's coming back and when the crazy part for me in all this uh-huh. say the NHL comes back first we know July 10th is training camp right if all holds true yeah now you're talking about playing in early August you're still five weeks to six weeks away from any sports in the United States of what you would consider a major sports yeah. entity and Absolutely. we've gone since March. Like, it's yeah. crazy to think that, like, it feels like we're getting closer, yet we still have a month plus. And, yeah. and I was thinking about this the other day, and I'll, I'll hit you with this before we get out of here. Yeah. I cannot wait for a morning where I wake up and the first thing that crosses my mind, the first thing that my brain processes is, hell yeah, game tonight. You know how, like, it's a Sunday and you wake up like, Bird, yeah. big, big game. Like, let's go. Like, yeah. Dallas tonight, Sunday night football, right? Or, you know, 100. Flyers, Stanley Cup play. Like, you plan your day around that sporting event. Phillies, first pitch, 105, you know, Nola's on the mound. Like, that, those are the things that will go through my brain early in a day. And your whole day and even days leading up to it are based around, like, getting stuff done so I can watch the game reading about the game, getting geeked up for the game, and then obviously you hope they win. But, like, just that anticipation, I miss it. I need it back in my life. 
Yeah. I haven't, I haven't been like, if you said to me in January, in March, sports are going away for like three months. I'd have been like, you know, just stab me. Like, just get like, forget it. I'm done. I haven't missed. I haven't missed it as much as I thought I would. And I don't know if, I don't know why that is, but I'll tell you the one thing that is, this has moved along and now we're sort of in the summer and I'm spending time in Philly and Stone Harbor and it's like seven o'clock is Phillies and there's nothing. I'm starting to get more like that itch. And I yeah. just can't wait for those mornings or those afternoons where it's like, dude, an hour to first pitch. Like those are the things like I want that back. <laughs> like maybe more than the actual game itself. It's that like feeling and that anticipation of, damn, it's a big game tonight. I can't wait. No, absolutely. I mean, you bring up a great point. I think the reason why you've you've kind of not really missed it or you didn't know you missed it because like this has just become the new norm not yeah. having it and, and you're staying you. busy or you're trying to stay busy you're and you're doing other do things an- to fill the void anything. And- but i'm with you just to get together with a group of friends and watch a game and just or go out to a bar and watch a game or just have something that's not something that's been already played for right is sports is essentially you know, the ultimate reality TV, you don't really know the outcome. It's That's what makes it so great. And I'm with you, man. I can't wait. I mean, think about that. You're right. March, this all shut down, like March 10th or 11th or 13th, whatever. And it might go to like August, March, April, May, June, July. I mean, that's, that's, that's almost like a half a year yeah. without live sports. Although, don't worry about it, Comcast, they're still charging you the nine ninety five for the regional sports coverage, which they'll, oh. be getting a, they'll be getting a phone call from me considering we haven't had regional sports in quite a long time. <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway, and I, oh God. well, anyway, we'll have to talk about how the Sixers owners may want to purchase the New York Mets, but that's another topic for yeah. discussion. Yeah, uh, I, but, got a qu- I got a quick spread the love, Johnny Mita. All right, and I didn't tell you I was going this route, so I'm not expecting you to have anything planned. Okay, Um, but I'm giving a shout out to uh, Darius Slay and Will Parks, two new Eagles. Okay, all right. Will Parks is from North Philly. He was with the Broncos. He's now part of the Eagles organization. Looking forward to him balling out. Darius Slay, of course, the big uh, acquisition from the Lions, but both these guys, wherever they've been, Slay in Detroit, I think most recently, uh, Parks back in Philly, has been essentially throwing it out there on social media. Any defensive backs, you know, come out and work. And I guess then, you know, he's allowing folks to direct message them on Twitter, and he's given out the location and the time Nice. And like legit, like, I don't know. I mean, you know, you wouldn't send, I wouldn't send out Jake, James and Christopher, but if you had like a high school kid, sure. You know, that's, that's a defensive back and you're in North Philly or whatever, like you could, you could send them to just work with Will Parks. And, you know, you, again, we talk about using the platform for the right things and, but just to be able to give back, you know, this isn't a football camp they're charging for. This is like, Hey, I'm going to go out and do some drills and work on my conditioning and my ball skills and any kid in the area, you know, hit me up and you can join us. So spreading the love, 
to those guys for giving back to their respective communities. And pretty soon, I'm sure Darius Slay will be doing a lot of that uh, more in the Philly area than Detroit, where he spent the last couple of years. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I think that's awesome. All right, John Amita, you're the man as always. Uh, good catching up with you. It's been too long. Yeah. We're gonna sh- we're gonna shoot for more weekly occurrences. Uh, now that things have settled down a little bit, and so I look forward to seeing you down the line, my brother, and we'll talk again soon. Absolutely, you're the best, Joe. Thanks everybody for listening. Really appreciate all your support. It means a lot. Brother, love podcast on Anchor.fm. As always, we appreciate it. Till next time, we'll see. You.